What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure to click the subscribe button, like, comment, let us know what you think about the episode. If there's a particular guest or topic you'd like to have on the podcast, we're always checking your guys' feedback on there and then love to be able to take your suggestions and make them into future episodes. Today, I'm going to be joined by Clint Cannon. He's the founder of ETS Diesel Performance, and I wanted to chat with him about 68 RFEs. And mainly, we have a truck with a 68 RFE. It's a factory transmission. How can we avoid a failure? What are some of the weak points that they have? What are some things we can do prior to needing a whole new transmission to make them live a little bit longer, perform better, so that if we do want to upgrade the transmission, we do it on our terms versus the truck breaking down, being on the side of the road, and then having to buy a full transmission. So looking forward to chatting with him today. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site wide code for you. If you use code 23diesel20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com. It's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. If you need something for hunting, fishing, EDC, something around the job site, they've definitely got you covered. They've had a bunch of new releases um, in 2023. One of their latest are the Duralock models, which the blade's made out of D2 steel. The opening mechanism is really smooth, keeps your fingers away from the blade when you open and close it, and they have a bunch of different choices for blade shape, handle shape. So definitely head on over to the website, check it out if you're in the market for something. Use code 23diesel20, get 20% off site-wide, save some money, get some cool gear. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Clint from ATS Diesel and talking about 68 RFE transmissions. Clint, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I really had a great time chatting with you before when we were going through a bunch of new products, Allison conversions, which people had asked about for a long time to be able to learn more. And then you know, through my own kind of personal journey recently looking at newer vehicles um there's so many choices and i think we talked about it last time that all three options are really good for power for torque for interiors for towing capacity payloads but we haven't done a 68 rfe episode in a while and my knowledge of them from gosh 15 years ago 10 years ago is so different than what's available now and i know you guys have been working really hard on products that people can do you know before they have a transmission failure but then also once their stock transmission does kind of inevitably have an issue um, or more than likely have an issue there's options for different builds so i look forward to chatting with you today and, and learning what you guys have for them yeah no i'm I'm excited when you mentioned that you want to talk about the 68 i got actually really excited because you know as, as much as um we're kind of known also for alice conversions you know the 68 rfe is one of my probably my favorite transmission um i would say maybe maybe behind the allison but the 68 RFE is really a favorite transmission of mine, mainly because I've dedicated the last 10 years, you know, actually over that to the success of the 68. And, you know, the 68 is just, it's needed a lot of help, you know, along the ways, especially when trucks are modified, you know, when they're stock, and I'm talking bone stock, not even a tune in them, they actually do pretty well. You know, they hold up relatively well. And, you know, there's a lot of them out there that get high mileage on them. And, and that you know they shift good but you know as soon as you start abusing the vehicles and when i say abusing them you know hauling heavy weight all the time or excessively heavy or you do any kind of modifications that's really where the 68 needs so much help you know and and the, the history of the 68 you know when when you really deep when you dive deep into the history where the 68 RFE came from and why fca kind of chose to continue to build them you know, it does make a lot of sense why, you know, why they're, why they were chosen, why they were in the truck, you know, why they took a little gas training and, 
upgraded them and, and, and still why they use them today. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to talk about. It'll be, I'm excited. It's a, it's a very big discussion. You know, we can really break the 68 down to a few different areas, you know, a totally stock truck, you know, what can I do to upgrade my 68, my existing one that's not failed, that's low mileage, it's working well, you know, and there's a few different upgrades there, you know, whether you're talking just external stuff or maybe a little bit internal, like dropping the pan and doing some hard part upgrades. And then of course, you know, the internal upgrades and then, you know, of course a complete transmission. So, you know, I really think with the world of 68s today, you know, we have a full offering, you know, and we can, I can kind of break it down, you know, make it, make it pretty easy, you know, so you can have a pretty good idea of what you should be doing to your 68, you know, based on, you know, what you're doing with your truck, how many miles on it, you know, just, you know, that, that kind of genre of things when we're, when you're using your truck. So, you know, we can kind of open it up and up that conversation as however you like. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought it would be maybe to start, I think anyone who's listening to this episode, they're going to know about a 68 RV. They're going to know they've been in Ram trucks for quite a while, but they may not know the say improvements or the updates that Ram has done to them from 2007 and a half to a 2023. Is there, and I think about this for somebody who's looking to maybe not buy new, but they're looking to get something maybe a couple years old, maybe five years old, seven, eight years old. And my just perception is they're not all the same or, or, or Dodge or Ram has done updates to them to maybe address some of the issues, but they, that's where I think the confusion kind of can arise is, are they as bad as if I Google 68 RFE problems and see a post from 2008 or 2009 on like Cummins forum or someplace like that? Are they still like that in 2023? Uh, no. So to answer your question, you know, the, the general transmission, the 68 RFE that came out in 2007 and a half with the introduction of the 67 Cummins. You know, of course, 07 had a 5.9, and then 07.5, they moved to the 68. And when the 60, I'm sorry, the 6.7. And when the 6.7 engine came out, it it came out with a 68 RFE. So the 68 RFE of today is is almost the same unit. I mean, they're they're basically interchangeable. So kind of walk you through it from 07 to 9, there was they were basically like first generation 68s. They used a white solenoid pack. Um, and it was essentially just a 545 gas transmission, which the 545s to back up a little bit um, came out many, many, many years earlier, and they were in the normally aspirated um, V8 gas motors. So the gas motors used the 545, which of course the 545 was derived from the caravan transmission in 1990. So our whole RFE series transmission um, that that Fiat, or that uh, Chrysler continue to move forward with that technology was kind of born in the caravan trannies and then it moved into like some of the lighter lines and then eventually it turned into a rear wheel drive and that became the 545 and then the 545 was turned into a 68 and what's interesting to know and and a lot of this will make sense as we talk more in depth you know technical about this transmission that the 68 RFE, the parts are basically interchangeable with the 545, which means that you can pull the entire gear train, the gut pack, the clutch packs, everything out of the case of a 68 and a 545, and you can interchange them. So it is, it is not necessary. It, so it's, it's really not, it, it's really the same transmission. You know, they made a different case, put a different torque converter on it, 
um, redesigned the pump a little bit, so a bigger stator. And then, you know, kind of called it good and they put it behind the, uh, behind the 6.7. So the reason the, the 68, you know, was, was relatively reliable when the 68 came out because, or the 6.7 came out, because there was really no aftermarket, there was, there was very little aftermarket tuning on these things. In other words, the market of deleting vehicles had not developed yet. So there was not really tuning. So, you know, the transmission had a lot of protection mode in it. And that protection mode would kind of help keep the 68 RFE alive. Well, that that went over pretty well for a couple of years. Well, as Chrysler, you know, as the years go by from 07 to 9 and then, and then 10, um, moving forward, 10 to basically 18, they did another update. They essentially, we call them like an early version 68 as a white solenoid pack. The middle year or the Gen 2 essentially is the gray separate or the gray solenoid pack. And then in 19, they went to the blue solenoid pack. Well, generally the transmission didn't really change. And when I, when I say that the, the torque converter, the pump, the clutch packs, the gear train, the case, that, that hasn't really changed from 07 and a half to 22 or 23. So, so if you go down to the, Chrysler dealership and you buy a Ram today, that transmission is inherently exactly the same what it was from 07. Well, one of the big things that changed that started making the 68s better is when they made these little changes in the, when I talk about white pack or gray pack or blue pack, the white pack, the gray pack, they basically kind of changed the check ball locations a little bit. So they really, there was kind of a manufacturing change there. You know, they basically got rid of a solenoid. Um, because when they went to the gray pack, the later years, Chrysler realized that they could manufacture this transmission a little bit cheaper by dual purposing a solenoid. So your white packs, you know, the 07 to 9, they are actually 100% completely interchangeable with the gray packs. So in other words, you could pull a transmission out of, I mean, say a wrecking yard, if you found one that worked, you could pull a transmission from an 07 and a half and you could bolt it in to, you know, a 10 to 18 and it will work. The computer just doesn't use the lockup solenoid. They reallocated the MC solenoid. So basically it's a multi-purpose solenoid that can bring on the low reverse clutch pack or the converter clutch. So without getting too technical, basically all that meant is Chrysler could change the valve body slightly to dual purpose of solenoid and they could, and they could um, cheapen up the, the transmission a little bit more. So you know, we're talking about 68 RFE, really the 68 is 100% dollar driven. And by saying that is like, this is a transmission that clearly Chrysler was very invested in. It, it's a, it's a Chrysler product. It's not a, it's not a purchase product. Like a lot of manufacturers buy, you know, an engine or a transmission or differentials, you know, from, from manufacturers and they put them under the body of a, you know, a Ford, a Dodge, a GM, right? Well, yeah. and in this case, Chrysler, you know, really the only thing that they were outsourcing for the most part on these Ram trucks was the differentials and the engine. You know, obviously they buy the engine from Cummins, right? So the so the, so the transmission itself, you know, was, was uh, very inexpensive. You know, they, they had their tooling, they could build it. I mean, they're building hundreds of thousands of these units. So instead of building a whole new design, you know, they decided, well, let's take our, our, our earlier model 545 gas transmission and kind of retool a little bit and up pressure just a little bit and put a bigger torque converter in front of it 
to mate up to the stall speed of the Cummins engine from a gas because clearly that has to change. They put a bigger input shaft in it and pretty much called it a day. You know, and, and that's where when these 68s started coming out, we started seeing these crazy things, you know, failures that you just typically didn't see. And a lot of 68s, like the case would break in half. You know, typically you don't see that in a transmission design. I mean, in fact, you almost never see that in a transmission design where the case will literally bust in half. I mean, it'll just break in half, you know, and, and that was that was almost a, a huge showstopper. You know, when we started modifying these things, because, you know, in the aftermarket, we start figuring out how to make them hold more power and be more reliable. And then all of a sudden, you know, we find the next week, we click and the case, case breaks in half. You know, so, I mean, that's where we came up with the case brace. You know, it's basically this huge member that just bolts on top of the transmission and holds it together. So all that stress, it, it literally is like wearing, like, like wearing a, a chest protector, you know, that like kind of, you know, tightens everything up and, and it helps to, you know, divide that load, you know, and then of course the bigger pans, you know, you build a bigger pan that, that drops in the bottom and it helps kind of girdle the case. And of course you hold more fluid. So, you know, we start getting into like, you know, upgrades, you know, those are the kinds of things that you can jump, you can do to your 68 that is like a, a stock truck, modified truck, whatever, as long as the transmission is working, you know, you can bolt the case brace on it. You can bolt the pan on it. And all these things, you know, that we're going to talk about really help the transmission with reliability, you know, just longevity, you know, and that's, they're not performance adders, they're, they're reliability adders. And, and when we talk about the 68, I mean, that's something that, you know, we really need to you know, kind of talk a lot about, you know, you have reliability on one hand, you have the ability for it to hold power on the other, you know, sometimes there's some crossover there, but there's not necessarily, you know, for the kind of one of the first times in the in the transmission world, you know, there's a lot of, lot of choices to be made, you know, and it requires a lot of education to understand, you know, kind of you know, where you're headed with it. So, so, so to kind of answer your question, you know, yes, there has, there have been, there have been some subtle changes, um, but the basic hard parts have not. Now, one of the areas Chrysler did better every single year is getting the, the, the tuning dialed in, you know, and, you know, we've talked a lot about synchronous transmission and non-synchronous transmissions. And again, one of the things that makes the 68 RFE so exciting to me, it is, it is, it is the, the RFE series um, is the absolute first non-synchronous transmission that was ever built. And it was built ahead of its time. I mean, we're talking 1990, 1989 is when the ultra drive came out that is the predecessor that is the 68 RFE. and when i say synchronous and non-synchronous think of it this way your old e4od transmission or your um 4100 or you know all, all these early transmissions a you know a chrysler 48 the, the, the 59 transmission that was prior they were all basically synchronous transmissions and what that means in very layman's term, it is like getting on your 10-speed bicycle and it's in first gear and you're pedaling. And then you start moving the selector and all it does, you're doing one action and all it does is it jumps gears, right? It jumps teeth and you get gear one, gear two, gear three. There is, there is no requirement for timing or a computer to control the oncoming and offgoing clutch pack. And then, so, so what that meant is when these non-synchronous transmissions came out, all of a sudden, they were 100%, they, they could not work. You know, they pretty much, their, their life 
was completely determined based on the speed of that computer in the program. Because what happens is you, you have a clutch pack or two clutch packs on and you say you get first gear. And then when you go to second gear, that computer has to remove, it has to disengage the off-going clutch pack and engage the ongoing clutch pack for the next gear. And that sounds pretty easy. You just turn it on, turn it off. What well, the problem is, is you don't just turn it off and turn it on. When you just turn it off, turn it on, you either get a bind up, which rips the lining off, off the clutches, or you get a flare, which is like the engine gun ram and it hits the rev limiter, or you get a slide bump, or you get a perfectly timed shift when you release and apply the clutch and you get a really nice engagement as it releases and applies the clutch. So, you know, Chrysler being in this game, being involved in it from so early on from the 90s, you know, they really started to get a very good understanding of how they could control this transmission they called the RFE series. And it took years. I mean, it took years and years and years of development understanding and computers that were fast enough and these algorithms that can control the clutch pack applies under various power levels. And when I say various power levels, I'm not talking about like adjusting switch. You know, like like I'm trying talking about the barometric. I'm I'm talking about like the air density outside, where your what your altitude is, how good your fuel is, how much boost you're making, where your throttle's at, how much weight's behind it. This is literally like a such a variable of power that's going through the transmission every time it makes an upshift or a downshift, that the computer has to be not only programmed ex exceptionally well to have a base file, but it also has to be fast enough that it's looking at the different gear speeds, the turret, the engine, the turbine, the output speed, speed, and make sure that it brings that clutch, bunk, clutch pack on quick enough that it doesn't glaze the clutch, but it also brings it on slow enough so you don't get a really hard bang and break components. So there is, so there's a very fine line in actually getting the desirable shift quality for that particular power level. And it's really, it's phenomenal that Chrysler was able to pull this off in such an early day. Today, everything is pretty much non-synchronous. I mean, it's it's like the all transmissions, you know, especially when you start getting into six speeds, eight speeds, 10 speeds, you know, it's just the computers are fast enough to to make all this work. But kind of going back, you know, like in 07, you know, they were they were they had they were figuring it out, but but it wasn't great. They used an external TCM, you know, and then in 10, they integrated the TCM with the ECM on the vehicle. So all of a sudden, they it was another jump, you know, in hardware for the better, but it's also more calibrations. And then so every year, you know, there's more and more calibration. This is not even talking about the aftermarket. You know, when, once we get into this discussion a little deeper, we start talking about what the aftermarket, how they had their hand playing in this um, tuning companies, you know, ideally is what I'm kind of talking about, you know, anything that would alter the factory calibrations. That's where things got really, really interesting and really hairy, you know, for aftermarket companies that are building trannies because half of this problem, you know, it wasn't just a hard part problem anymore. It was now a control problem, you know, and that is where, you know, understanding the entire system, you know, the hard parts, the torque converter, the hydraulics, the clutch packs, you know, that's one part of it. But you have to understand the entire control side of it and be able to have have an input or have control over how the controls are, how, how they're manipulated or modified or how these calibrations work. So 
it's a very, it's a, it can be a very deep discussion, um, yeah. which, you know, we can certainly go into as far as you want, but <laughs> it's been <laughs> Well, fun. I think well, you had mentioned the overlap that can potentially exist with a build or a transmission, the expectations a truck owner has, and sometimes it overlaps with power and use. But I always think about it going one of two directions. It's either going my truck is stock or really close to stock. And I want to protect my factory transmission as best I can. Because I found that people will, they'll enjoy spending money on a built transmission when they're ready. But if they're not ready, they're not expecting it. And then, oh, I've got to spend however many thousands of dollars. They don't, they don't like that. Right. Um, so That's I wanted, good. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to start with the, with the first. You part. sound like you speak from experience. <laughs> <laughs> a, l- a little bit. <laughs> um, is if somebody has a, a you know six seven Cummins got a sixty eight RFE, it's stock or close to stock. What are some things that they can do to give them the best chance to make it last, hold up, or just delay that time when they need to go to a built, upgraded unit for when they're ready. So that's a great question. So, so we've actually put together some, some kits, you know, that kind of help guide this process, but literally with the 68, I mean, I kind of break it down. The, the first thing is, is anything that I can do to the transmission without having to take it out of the vehicle, right? Cause I mean, taking it out of the vehicle, we're talking about torque converter upgrades, you know, I mean, you have to have, it's, it's a big job. It's, it's, it's all this stuff, right? So what can I do to make my 68 RFE hold better power um, or be more reliable without taking it out? The really, the first thing is, I mean, the reliability part of it, like I mentioned, not having the case break in half, that, that's kind of a fatigue thing. So bolting on a case brace, it can be done in the vehicle. It's super easy, very inexpensive. I mean, super cheap. It's like you do it in your driveway. The second thing is, and that's completely a reliability deal. I mean, they, it 100% eliminates the case from breaking ever, you know, with that, we hit, you know, right driving on a bumpy road, you know, all that weight of the Cummins motor and the transfer case in the back and it's doing, it's jostling, right? It's just, it's just pulling on the case. So, you know, that just takes it, that takes the whole case concern breakage out of the, out of the equation, both case brace on it, call it good. Second thing is, is dropping the pan. You know, you don't necessarily have to do the valve body. Okay, so I'm going to speak a little bit technical again. The 68 RFE, we all know line pressure has a place, right? Line pressure is how much pressure is in the transmission. And the more pressure you have, basically, you have in the transmission, the more clamping force it has in the clutch backs. So that means basically when you raise line pressure, you know, you have more hydraulic ability to, to squeeze the clutch back together, which means it's going to have a tendency to slip less it's going to hold more power. It's going to apply the clutches quicker. So you're going to have less glazing. So a higher running, a higher running pressure is generally almost always better in almost all cases because it's because it doesn't on a six eight, you're not talking about shift quality. You're talking about the ability for the clutch back to hold, 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 you know, actually hold the clutches. So the problem where it gets into it with the 68 RFE is they are hydraulically limited are mechanically. So because there is a mechanical hydraulic limit, you cannot increase pressure in the 68 RFE without dropping the valve body and changing the valve body. Now, the other part of the 68 RFE is the pressure is controlled by the computer. 
So if you do not, so the only way you can increase pressure in a 68 RFE, because it's a closed loop system, which means that the, which is unique to the 68, the TCM is a transmission control module asks for a pressure, say it asks for 130 PSI. There's a transducer that reports back to the computer and it tells the computer, okay, you're at 110, you're at 120. Okay, now you're at 120, we're cool. And it's happy. So it's, so it's a closed loop system. So you can't modify it mechanically without the computer being upset. So, so you're pretty much in a realm where if you want to increase the pressure to a 68 RFE, you have to address the, the computer, the TCM, whatever, and you have to adjust or you have to address the valve body. Well, just necessarily the 68 RFE maxes out at 160 PSI line pressure. 160, 160 PSI line pressure is adequate for stock power. Now, how quickly the pressure comes on is a different story because you know these things really ramp quickly with the with the v, with the VGT turbo. You know, you roll into them and the and the VGT makes boost quickly. The engine's big, so it makes a lot of torque. As it ramps that torque up, then the transmission has to increase the pressure to apply those clutches. Well, if you think of the curve, the torque curve of the engine and the torque curve of the pressure in the transmission, they don't necessarily overlay ideally. They are just right on the cusp, right? So in other words, you have a you have a transmission that is in perfect condition. They're overlaid okay to keep the transmission alive. But you have a transmission that has a few miles on it, or you have a little bit of extra weight behind it, or you have a little bit better running engine just because some of them come out of the factory that run better than others, you know, and you're gonna be you're gonna be making a little bit more power than what that clutch pack is really perfectly designed for. So say you're ramping up through that RPM range and you're making good torque and pressure, say, is it like 90 PSI, where ideally it should be at like 120 or 130. Well, you have to do something about that to really dial that in. And that's that's essentially why we came up with the co-pilot. So, you know, the, what has been the saving grace of our 68 program, and I've said this from the beginning and I've always swore by it, and especially today, especially through all those delete years and all that mess we're going through, is the co-pilot is a standalone device that basically goes between the TCM and the and the transmission. And it looks at engine speed and it looks at engine torque and boost levels and driver demand. It looks at all that stuff and it augment, augments what the TCM is telling the transmission. So as you start to roll into it and power goes up, then we actually increase pressure a little bit over stock, you know, and, it, and it's dynamic. It, it depends on what the transmission is doing. Yeah, I mean, it depends on a lot of a lot of external things, but bottom line is it looks at the all these parameters and it makes sure we keep line pressure up. We ramp it up to that 160 psi range when when needed. So it gives you more reliability, cooler operation. It, it just it 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 gives the the transmission the ability to hold so much more power. So that can be done without even touching the valve body, which is kind of nice. I mean, I generally recommend just taking the step and going to the valve body which I'll talk about next. But if you decide, say, just add the co-pilot, it literally, it's plug and play. You don't have to have any tuning. It doesn't set check engine lights. I mean, it works 100% in harmony with the vehicle, with the, fa with, with the factory calibration, with an aftermarket calibration. It doesn't matter. It works with everything. It works in our transmission, works in stock transmission, works in aftermarket transmission. It works completely to operate that transmission in its safest mode. Well, Going kind of the next level, right? So now we've gotten to, we have a case brace. 
you know, you have the co-pilot, which is a plug-in module. You don't, you don't even have to drop the pan. I do recommend putting the big pan on it. You know, the big pan gives a lot of, a lot of extra fluid capacity, which is huge, you know, just getting more volume in there. And then we have, you have a, the, the cool, cooler bypass block, which that probably would come, I would say, you know, during the same time you're doing a case brace. And the cooler bypass block, what that does is Chrysler also has a kind of an interesting scenario that they would do with their cooling system. So they have all transmissions, you know, have a cooler on them, of course, you know, transmission builds heat, fluid leaves the transmission, it goes up to the cooler, it cools down, it goes back to the transmission, lubricates the gear set, falls back and starts over again. Well, the cooler bypass valve, there's a thermostatic valve that's in all these Chrysler trannies or these Ram trannies that takes fluid from the front of the transmission and it will bypass it as it's going to the cooler it will bypass it right back to the transmission so it never hits the cooler it just goes out of the transmission through a line right back in the transmission and allows the transmission to heat up really quickly so it heats up faster as it heats up faster the fluid is thinner thinner fluid creates less parasitic loss which it, which basically would mean that there's a little bit less drag well the problem with a thermostatic bypass valve is they are incredibly problematic and they not only problematic to completely fail, but they leak. So in general, you know, you're losing 20% of your cooling capacity by bypassing through this leaky valve right in the transmission. So the cooler never actually sees all of the hot transmission fluid, it only sees a portion of it. And and this really, this has been a this has been a heavy Chrysler you know, bypass valve for, for on all their transmissions, you know, the 42s and the 68s and, you know, all of them, all of them. And it's always been problematic. So we offer a, a, a cooler bypass block that literally you just unbolt it. I mean, it's easy. There's four, screw, four lines. You remove them, bolt it in, put it back together, and it, and it allows all the fluid to pass through the transmission cooler before going back to the transmission. And and that's huge. I mean, because you'll, you'll generally drop often you'll you'll drop like 20 or 30 degrees transmission fluid temperature which is huge you know because i mean if you can keep your transmission below 200 degrees you know ideally yeah. you know 150 160 170 you're golden you know so so that's a that's an easy like 150 dollars add-on piece i mean you buy it changing your driveway so now we have the case brace you, know, you have the cooler bypass you have a big pan and you're probably you know you're probably halfway there you know you do that with the co-pilot and then, you know, you didn't take the transmission out. You fixed the timing issues. You fixed the fluid capacity problem. You fixed the case breakage problem. You fixed the, the fluid temperature problem by doing these four things that are all on the outside of the transmission. And it's just you can build on them. You don't have to do one at a time. You could do them all at the same time, or you can do one at a time and, you know, do them over, you know, as you're kind of budgeting. You know, so so a lot of uh, and these are kind of like these packages that we put together is like, what can I do to ensure the integrity of my stock 68 without, you know, without buying, you know, everything at once, you know, breaking the bank and just kind of systematically do it. And also, if you do these things, then eventually, if you do end up with a 68 failure, you can always reuse these pieces, you know, on your new transmission. So it's not like you're throwing money away. I mean, you're really investing in your 68, you know, in the, in the longevity of it. That makes a lot of sense because I think as a truck owner, we think that every engine, every transmission, every component is built to the same standard 
every single time, but they're building hundreds of thousands of these a year. But we don't think, well, maybe there's a little bit of variance. Maybe, you know, my engine makes a little bit more torque a little bit sooner and the transmission line pressure curve is a little bit different. And then I imagine you talked about the aftermarket a little bit. We throw in a 60 horse tune, a 120 horse tune, a 90 horse tune, whatever it might be, an air intake, some other things. Well, now we've dramatically changed what we need our transmission to do to be able to hold up. And I think that's where this transitions to I make more power than the stock transmission is designed to hold. Um, I'm exceeding, say, what the clutch packs, the, the capacity of the, of the converter, the clutches. I need to go to something that is built to hold more power. This is probably a little bit of a loaded question, but I know people ask it. When do I need to consider going to a built transmission with you know, different clutches, all the upgrades from a stock transmission? Is there a certain power range or does it, can it vary based on use, how much you tow? When would you tell people they need to start thinking about a complete great transmission? So, so that kind of, that was a perfect question because that kind of leads right into the next place I was going, you know, when, when I, when I said we were going to talk about taking the valve body apart, right? So the valve body is the brain of the transmission. You know, the TCM is really the decision that makes all the decisions. The valve body is really the kind of the nervous system that, that hydraulically distributes fluid, all the clutch packs and does what it needs to do. And then of course you have the transmission clutch packs that do the work. So when I was talking about the, the transmission is hydraulically limited, the valve body is what actually does this limit. It's not the pump in the transmission. The pump has the, the capability of making 300 pounds of line pressure, but it's, it's hydraulically limited based on the valve body. And the valve body, is a whole nother, it's a whole nother mess. I mean, it's literally like a transmission inside of a transmission on the 68 because it's, it's so complicated. It has so many things going on and there's so much hydraulic issues to, 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 to benefit from there. So, you know, often just because, and, and so instead to answer your question really easy, when you're talking about changing the transmission, pretty much as soon as you upgrade power to your, to your vehicle, and I'm talking like upgrading power when, and we're not seeing it these days nearly like we used to in the old days, but you know, there are so many modifications that have been, do, been done to these vehicles and they were modifying these things and they were literally tuning the engines, you know, to, to do all the stuff they shouldn't be doing, but they were tuning the engine. As soon as the engines were tuned, it would literally, one of the first things that would happen, it would turn off all the D-rate, all the production of the transmission. And remember, I'm talking about the 68 RFE, the 545 is the same, right? What makes a 68 RFE reliable and work pretty well in stock form is the all the D-rate, all the protection of the TCM and the ECM is intact. And as soon as vehicles are modified, they're tuned for more power. And literally, if that means just doing, you know, exhaust modifications and using factory power, the D-rate stuff has, had been turned off. And these things make way more power because they're flowing more air because there's no restriction in the exhaust systems, right? So all of a sudden, you know, guys were going like, man, I, this, my truck drove great for years. And then I put a tuner in it and did some mods to it. And then I can't keep 68 RFEs in it. I'm like, well, the reason is because that 68, it was designed to work with D-rates. It was designed as soon as they made a, 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 a change from wind gear to the next, first to second, second to third, third to fourth. When it would make that change, it would be bringing down those little bitty clutch packs, which are, they're, I mean, you've seen the clutch packs, they're the size of the clutch pack in a motorcycle. 
I mean, my 450 motor motorcycle, KTM motorcycle, the clutch packs are seriously almost interchangeable with the overdrive clutch pack <laughs> of a 68 RFE. And, you, and you'd be like, how is that possible? That that little 400, 450 cubic inch, you know, C, I'm sorry, CC motor. I mean, we're talking a dirt bike, right? How that clutch pack is the same size as the overdrive clutch pack in a 450 or 500 horsepower Cummins, making a thousand foot pounds. Well, this is the deal. Clutch packs statically, they will hold a ton of power when once they're engaged. But if you, when you when you have to make a shift from first to second, you know, when you make a shift from any gear, the clutch pack disengages and the next one engages. And that clutch pack has to have the mechanical ability to squeeze together and have enough of enough friction capacity and coefficient to actually overcome, pull that engine down while it's under this massive torque. And if it can't pull it down, the clutch pack glazes and it's and, and it gets destroyed. Well, what Chrysler did is during this this transitional phase from one clutch from one gear to the other, when that clutch pack starts to engage, it sends a command. The TCM sends a command to the ECM and the, it tells the engine power down, power down a little bit, power down, you know, two, three, five, eight, ten percent. And it powers down just so subtly, you don't really feel it. But what happens is when it powers down, that clutch pack gets a little bit of help and, whoop, and it just zips it up in it and it applies it and, it and it goes one to one. So now that clutch pack is not dynamic anymore. It's actually static. And when that clutch, mac, clutch pack is static, that means it's not slipping. Then they can ramp power back up. So it literally happens within a second or two. The engine would go whoop, derate a little bit, whoop, come right back in. And, and you wouldn't feel it, but it would make the transmission whole. I mean, it would keep it alive. It would it would keep the reliability out of there. So so as soon as you modify a vehicle in any way, I mean, if I mean if it's a 22 RAM that you buy and you get emissions on tuning and you turn up the power, you are be, you're literally beyond the capacity of that transmission to properly do its job. So at that point, you have to do something to the transmission to help it, which on the case of a 68 RFE, you have to remove that 160 PSI line pressure cap. And you have to get it up there so it's more close to like 300 psi. So one of the with the co-pilot we offer this in our valve body, right? So you can buy the co-pilot that has no valve body modifications. You can buy our valve body that has the internal modifications so you can build your valve body. So you can put the separator plate in it and the gaskets, and and it basically removes that 160 psi threshold and it moves it to you know almost 300. So now the computer or the co-pilot in this case, has the ability to crank line pressure well up, you know, in 200, 220, 230 PSI. And then the, that means the clutch pack has the ability to actually close down and it can overpower or overcome the power of that engine or overcome the power of that excessively heavy trailer, you know, 30,000 pounds behind. So they're one and the same, you know, I mean, we've always seen, you know, back in the day with, with race trucks and, and over the road guys, you know, the, 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 the more challenging um, vehicles to overcome the 68 were the guys that were pulling super heavy. You know, that, it wasn't the guy that was racing. You know, it wasn't the, the hot rod dude so much. It was, the, it was the guy that every single day he would pull, you know, a 50-foot trailer with, with bells of hay that are stacked up, you know, to where they barely clone of the underpass. You know, we're talking, I mean, the, these, these trucks would weigh in at, you know, 35, 40,000 pounds. You know, and those were the those were the days that like really made our 68 program really come to life. Understand, like we 
have got to, we've got to engineer a 68 that actually takes all these things into account, the electronics, the clutchbacks, the hydraulics, and the whole deal. So, you know, when you're, when you're talking about modifying a 68, if you have a fresh clean 68, you know, and, and you are being abusive, meaning like you have a lot of extra power, you are, you know, pulling heavy, or you just want that security, that insurance, then go to the next level and do a complete valve body. Well, the complete valve body, I mean, we've, we, we don't even use the factory castings. I mean, we use this stuff, you know, big, big aluminum channel plates, you know, that we, that we machine out of big solid hunks of material. And, and the reason for that, because the 68 also has a huge hydraulic problem inside the valve body. So when you start increasing line pressure, then you have pressure leaks between the lands. You know, it overpowers the accumulator, the, the accumulator. So everything in the valve body is completely redesigned. No more aluminum valves. Everything's machined. Um, and we put, we, we put steel valves in it. We give you billet accumulators that have triple seals on them. So they seal up 100%. I mean, a factory valve body, we, we do things in the transmission world called like air checks. And air checks is when you simulate the pump hydraulic pressure, but you simulate it with air. And you put air to it in place of the pump. And what air does is it finds your deficiencies and your leaks really, really quick, quickly because air is so thin that it doesn't have the viscosity of oil. So you put air into it at a 68 from the factory, you literally blow into it. It's like, whoosh, it's blowing everywhere. And it's such a leak that you can't even get to the pressure of your, of your air compressor. Say you have 100 PSI, you're blowing air in there and you're getting actually go through after it goes through the valve body and then goes to the clutch packs, I mean, you're getting like 80, you know, 70 or 80 PSI line pressure. That means you're already losing 30%, 20 to 30% of your available hydraulic pressure to the clutch packs. So when we identified that, we realized like, well, we need to get rid of all the hydraulic leaks. And that ultimately ended up a whole billet valve body, a billet channel plate, gaskets, instead of just metal on metal, accumulator pistons that are billet aluminum with triple seals on them steel valves and if you take one of our valve bodies and and do the same check it literally is like and there's no leakage i mean you might hear a little bit of gurgle you know inside the transmission coming from the clutch backs from the delivery rings which which you know they're 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 a good design from the from the start and they the point is they seal up so when you start taking all that into account you can take a you know like a good like a new 68 rfe and do the billet valve body you know running the co-pilot and you have a transmission that is not far off of a fully built transmission i mean it's not it's not a fully built training like but it's not far off as far as like being controlled properly the hydraulic ability you know it doesn't do anything for the for the for the undersized converter that the factory 68 does and doesn't do anything for the for the undersized clutch packs, you know, there's a whole bunch to talk about as far as inside the transmission. But when you're talking about these stages, you know, when you have, okay, I have a stock vehicle and I want to just add some stuff on the outside. You have our basic, you know, stuff we talked about, the case brace, the pan, the co-pilot, you know, the cooler block. And then kind of like a level between, you know, I've got a modified truck where I just want to, I want to make this thing perfect. Then add the valve body to it. Then all of a sudden now you have a, a transmission that has the ability to go up to, you know, like, you know, 270, 280 PSI line pressure, which literally doubles the torque capacity. I mean, it literally doubles the ability um, of integrity for this transmission to hold power and be reliable. 
because all of a sudden you think about those little motorcycle clutchbacks, right? Instead of them going, oh, they're kind of coming in, like trying to overpower the engine. They're just like, okay, you asked me to turn like, they just zip up. And guess what else that does? That also tells the engine it doesn't have to derate because the clutch pack's not slipping. So this whole derate sequence, you know, that has happened, but happened between the, the transmission and the TCM and the ECM, all these handshakes that are going on. When, when the TCM decides to make a shift and it asks that transmission to do its job, the first thing the transmission does is it starts doing that job. And the TCM's monitoring that. It was like, I asked you, Mr. Clutchback, to turn on within, to go from, from off to on within two seconds. It's taking you over two seconds. I know that if I let you sit there and, and try to apply that clutch pack for like three or four seconds, that you're going to be smoked. You're cl- the, the, I'm going to lose all the clutch pack integrity. So now the clutch pack is compromised and you never get it back. It's delays that will never come back. It's like a set of brakes that have been severely scorned coming down the mountain. It warps the rotors like you're never, they're done. They'll stop you, but they're never really going to work like they used to. And that's what happens with transmissions when you damage the friction and the clutch um, material, you know, they glaze and they don't want to, they, they don't have the, the, the coefficient of friction anymore to actually get traction to pull that engine down. So, you know, when you, when you add the co-pilot and you have this extra pressure, you know, the, the TCM is basically telling the transmission to make a shift. The co-pilot sees that. The co-pilot says, oh, I know what power level we're at. We're not going to apply that clutch pack at like 90 PSI now, we're going to go ahead and apply that clutch pack at like 120 PSI. So now all of a sudden that clutch pack, instead of slipping, it gives a whoop and it just zips right in and it comes in. And if you start doing any modifications, especially the engine, like you're running higher boost levels or anything, you know, we see that and we scale that based on how quickly or based on how much power the engine's making. So it's really a, it's a really, really nicely engineered system i mean just it, i mean it's it's all honestly beautiful it's been through all these evolutions of of, of software changes and computers and everything that Chrysler's has done i mean we do the same thing i mean every every couple months it's like we had an update we had a tweak and you know over the last few years you know we've, we've made it i think as, as good as we can make it and and it's been it's been very pleasant it's made the 68 um just drive like a dream it's very reliable you know it's never going to be an allison you know, obviously it's a small transmission, but for, you know, 90%, 95% of the Cummins guys that are pulling and, you know, need something that's reliable to work well, you know, the, 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 the package works really, really well. So the final answer on that is when do I re, when I, do I actually jump off the cliff and completely replace my transmission? I would say don't re, completely replace your transmission unless you have, you know, well over, you know, 150,000 miles on it or if it's exhibiting problems, you know, if the things work good and they're lower mileage, you know, and the fluids red in them, upgrade them, you know, don't replace it. You know, don't replace it until you have to, you know, a lot of times you might not have to. I mean, if you fix all these things around the 68, you don't have to replace the transmission with a completely new package. I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, I, I can see how the margin for error is so small on them and I think the aftermarket outside of transmissions has changed so much over, I don't know, two, three, four, five years, maybe longer that, and I think my growth with understanding different segments of the truck community has changed as well. Like I used to think 
<laughs> that 50% of people who had diesel trucks did like put turbos on them and injectors and all that stuff. And it's a lot smaller, I think. I'm not sure the percentage, but it's a I lot smaller. I think you just solve all of them. <laughs> yeah. I that was the world you live in, right? That's what we see. <laughs> yeah. I thought everybody raced but, diesel trucks too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But they don't. And they, they just want something to hold up better. And I think understanding the relationship between, you know, like you mentioned, the case cracks are done. Like you, you don't even have a core, really. I mean, you have some core parts, but you don't really have a core. Okay, I can address that. Well, I would like to have my fluid get cooled so I'm not running at 220, 230, or even higher. Okay, there's something I can do for that. All right, I need to improve how quickly the line pressure is responding to either the weight I'm towing or the small tune that I have on the truck. That's where the electronics come in. Um, and I think that helps people understand that, that point because they get so confused as to, do I need to spend all the money and get you know, a transmission with upgraded clutches and billet shafts and flex plate converter. But that kind of gets me thinking about the next step. And I, I'm going to rely on you heavily for this because what I used to know of modifying these newer trucks doesn't really exist anymore. So when people are doing emissions on tuning, they're doing um, a compound turbo kit, they're doing upgraded injection pumps, all these sorts of things. Is that where you're almost... If somebody came to you and they said, hey, I've got a 2020, a 2019, a 2021, I want to run this compound kit, I want this dual fueler, I have, you know, tuning from Corey Willis or Duramax or any of those places out there, um, I know I'm going to need a transmission. There's different ones that are there that you guys have. How do you direct somebody to which one that they need? Like, when do I go to the billet input shaft? I know the converter, that's probably the first thing that's going to have a major issue as you start to add this power is just building heat with it and and all that stuff. But for those guys, how do they navigate all the options that are there for a crate transmission? So, so first of all, you know, I want to say I'm very excited about, you know, the emissions on stuff, you know, you know, I've always been advocate. I mean, from the, in 2007, when the DPFs came out, you know, I, I mean, I, I spent a, Way, probably way more time than I should have working on performance, you know, with emissions on stuff. Um, and of course it was just, it wasn't cool back then and, and it just didn't pick up, but, but I'm, but I'm thrilled to see the performance that we're getting out of emissions on vehicles today. Um, and of course, like you mentioned, our, I mean, our compound setup that uh, is that close to EO certification, you know, we've actually, we've actually gotten through the testing and you know, the bigger pumps, I mean, that like SNS have, you know, they have EO number on their on their big pumps and all these things that that we can do <laughs> with emissions on tuning these days. I mean, we're kind of getting back to like we're getting back to really nice power levels. I mean, really good usable power levels. And and the coolest thing is it's usable power levels. It's not stupid power that's like, I mean, a thousand horsepower. You know, I mean, so where the where the industry ended up like in such a short period. Which was so, and this is the reason, dude, that the um, that the sixty-eight RF has such a terrible, terrible reputation because nobody could build them, you know, and make them live because it was an impossible scenario. You know, I mean, these trucks were tuned improperly, all the protection modes were taken off, and not only were power levels instead of being, you know, like maybe four hundred fifty or maybe five hundred horsepower, they were like eight nine hundred horsepower, dude. You know, and when you take when you take a Cummins and double the power and literally when you do it illegally and you take all the stuff off and you throw excessive fuel to them and you know not only that but you ramp the power curve up so aggressively on the bottom 
that like not even a well-built transmission can handle that kind of power because it's extremely abusive. I mean, the power comes on so heavily, you know, and then you start changing stall speeds to lower the power way down where, which is retarded because it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's not a good drivable setup, right? Now that we're kind of back to that world to where now we have this, this really well-engineered vehicle that has quite a bit more power than stock, you know, it's super clean, it's fun to drive, the protection modes are in it. You know, now we're getting to the point where like we can reliably take a take a 68, for instance, and do some some decent mods to it and have it work, you know, in this, you know, six, seven hundred horsepower environment where they're making, you know, twelve hundred foot pounds of torque and they survive and they live. So today is is very exciting to me. I mean, it's super exciting because like I say, I love the 68 RFE. Um, I've got I've got some really new cool stuff coming out on the on the on the control side of it um, that actually adds even more level of kind of protection um, to the transmission and notification. You know, if the transmission itself gets in a little bit of uh, you know in a, in, a, in an area where it needs a little bit of help, um, that'll all be you know new release stuff in the in the copilot. But to kind of answer your question, like when do I what stages do I need? Um, I mean, today we we used to have six different stages of 68 RFEs. Today we have three. We have literally our stage one, which is a fully built um, ATS transmission that has our five-store port converter. It has all of our clutch pack upgrades, um, all the hydraulic modifications, the the big sprag. I mean, the the roller. The I mean, the list goes on. Heavy duty. Um, inner or overdrive shaft, forward clutch or forward shaft. So all the components, the heavy duty rear planet, um, which is basically designed for super heavy tower guys that are just cranking, you know, acceleration like first gear, you accelerate, you know, and then you let off and it and it literally will walk the plant, the the, the pinions out of the planetary. And the planetary is big. That's one thing in a 68 that that is well designed, but the shell is not very strong. So we redesigned that. It's all reinforced, eliminate that problem. So you get all of that in a 68 RFE, including the valve body I talked about, including the case brace, including the pan, including the um, co-pilot. So literally the whole package, when you go to a stage two, all we do is we add a billet input shaft. And when you add the billet input shaft, that basically ensures that when you're pulling or doing something you shouldn't be doing, but you primarily design it when you're pulling really heavy, when you're really torquing on it, and first and second, third gear, that that input shaft has enough tensile strength so it doesn't ever create a stress riser. And what what happens with factory shafts is if when you twist them, they need to go back to, to go back to their neutral position. If you over twist them, then they start to create fractures in the material, and those fractures basically turn into cracks, and cracks turn into broken shafts. So go to stage two, yeah, the billet input shaft. Go to stage three. We add a big, huge billet drum that increases the amount of hydraulic pressure that applies the overdrive clutch because we identified that the overdrive clutch is really what takes the abuse when you're in sixth gear kind of cruising up a hill and then you get that slow slip because you don't have enough, enough pressure squeezing that clutch. So the overdrive drum has a bigger piston, which means you have a bigger footprint. You have more hydraulic pressure or I'm sorry, you have more hydraulic force or more force because of the hydraulic pressure because you're 
your 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 uh, psi is higher because you have a bigger piston. So in, in essence, I mean, if you had one square inch like circle or one square inch square, and you put a hundred psi behind it, you're going to raise a hundred pounds of pressure or a hundred pounds of weight. If you increase that to two inches at 100 PSI, you're gonna lift 200 pounds of weight at 100 PSI. So in essence, it, it increases your mechanical ability to squeeze that clutch. So that's it, that's the difference. You got stage one, stage two, stage three. So one of the things I didn't get to when I was talking about all these hard parts and everything else, the other thing that you get in our 68R, if you can get to stage one, is you get our full billet pump, which is totally unique. Um, the billet pump was kind of like the very last part of the 68, you know, that we finally discovered, you know, as we're kind of doing all these testing on the, on the 68 and, and, you know, really just, you know, like, what is the, what is the, what is the reason the industry has always fought overdrive clutch failures? You know, 68's always had overdrive clutch failures. Always, always, always. I mean, everybody deals with it. The factory deals with it. Everybody that builds them would, it's always the overdrive clutch, right? Your fourth gear would go out. Well, after going through, you know, the, you know, sealing up the leaks in the valve body and going with the bigger clutch drums and fixing accumulators and doing tuning or the co-pilot, whatever, there's still a couple out there, you know, that like sometimes they just would fail the overdrive clutch for some reason. And, you know, we just continued to like search for the answer. Like, why is it the 68 RFE inherently just loses the the overdrive clutch well i mean the basic answer is it's a bad it's a bad design transmission which is true i mean it really is the transmission is not designed properly to have that overdrive clutch it's under tremendous uh, mechanical disadvantage essentially so it needs a lot more help well we really found that we were having an issue with pump volume you know in the factory transmission i said earlier the factory pump We'll make 300 PSI, no problem. The problem is it's a positive displacement pump and a positive displacement pump, if it's not efficient, it's leaky, then you have to spend at higher RPM to get the pressure out of it. Like any pump, you know, it's not variable. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a positive pump. So you spin it one rotation and you get, you know, X amount of volume through it. Well, you want to get more volume, you spin it faster. What's the problem with the diesel? The 6.7 makes all its torque at 1,700 RPM. So it will pull, you know, 40,000 pounds up a grade in sixth gear when you're just cruising along in, the, in that, in that 6.7 engine has no problem like lugging that transmission at sixth gear at 1,700 RPM. What well, 1,700 RPM with the demand from the cooler to lubricate everything, the demand from the torque converter, the demand of line pressure, it the pump's not big enough to actually supply all that demand and have pressure up. So what starts happening, pressure starts to drop because the pump is not big enough. So literally the heart, I mean, what is making, what is, because pressure, all pressure is, is a measure, measure of resistance. Okay, you have flow from the pump. And if you start, if you start creating pressure on it, it's like putting your finger in a water hose, you know, pressure starts going up, but volume goes down, right? Well, you have to have the volume to lubricate the gear set and the, and the converter and everything else. So as that pump starts to slow down, volume is dropping. And if there's not enough volume, then you don't, that you don't, you can't squeeze it down enough to create the pressure. So you start to run out of 
Pressure. Well, pressure is what keeps the clutches applied because you have an overdrive set of clutch packs there that are the size of my motorcycle and they're clamped together, you know, and you have maybe 10 or 12 or 14 frictions there, you know, that are basically six inches diameter and you're squeezing them all together and you have 600 foot pounds of torque going through those clutch packs and you're squeezing it. And at some point when you start to lower pressure, then those clutch packs begin to start loosening up. Then all of a sudden they start to break free and you get a really slow slip. And as soon as you get a, a slip, you know, then it's all over because, because clutch packs, again, clutch packs are designed to either turn on or turn off. There's no in between. The only in between is during that shift when the transmission goes bump, when it goes to second gear and it goes bump and it goes to third gear. So you have like two seconds, two, two, two and a half seconds that you have to engage that clutch. Otherwise you're going to start to have comp you're going to compromise that clutch. So what would happen is we found, you know, the guys that would really kill overdrive clutches is the heavy hauler guys that are like got their fifth wheel on the back and their toy hauler on the back of the, or their, their razor on the back of that. And the, and the, the beds full of, you know, kids, you know, backpacks and, and camping gear, you know, and there's four of them in the trailer and they're going camping and they're cruising, you know, and everything is cool. And now all of a sudden they lose their overdrive clutch. We're like, what causes this, you know? And we, and we, we finally found that after doing like this ton of studies on this, that the, the pump on these trucks, and we're talking generally stock trucks too. I mean, because, because they just run so dang good that, you know, you'd be cruising a hill and all of a sudden, you know, you're like 16, 17, 1800 RPM and the line pressure that's needed is more like, you know, 170, 180, but it's down there like at 130 or 140. The computer's commanding it, but it can't get to it because the pump physically doesn't have the ability. So when I realized that, when we found that, stop production, I'm like, I am, I'm putting in a machine to make sure that every single 68 RFE we ever build that ever leaves this building has a billet pump in it. And we have done that for the last five years, and it has been a game changer. I mean, it has been a game changer, like completely, like that was the, la that was the last piece of the puzzle. Like why do 68s eat up overdrive clutches? And it was such, it was such, that that's literally, that was the day that when we started seeing that, that I'm like, I am super excited about this again, <laughs> you know, because it was, I mean, it really, you, nobody likes to build a failure, you know, nobody. And I mean, I hate it. I mean, I want to do, I want to build the absolute best product out there and be able to stand behind it and take care of people and, and fix them and make them happy and make their vacations good. And, you know, I want their choice to, to be, you know, put an ATS transmission in it and it, and it, and it was the right choice. And, you know, that was just such a, that was such a big deal for us, you know, tightening up that, making that bigger pump and tightening up the clearances and getting rid of the flex, you know, in, in the pump from the stator to make sure all the flow goes through the converter and all the, it all comes out and it, and it goes to the right channels. And it was just, it was such a big deal. It was so exciting. I mean, it was literally like as revolutionary as like the co-pilot. So, you know, the, the 68, I mean, it, it's really great days for 68s, you know, and of course, you know, the, the guys that are out there that are just, that abuse the heck out of everything and this massive power or just want the super ultimate, you know, that's why we developed the Alice conversion. But, you know, the 68, man, has its place, you know, and, and it really is. And it, it is a, it's a really good transmission. So I hope that people don't steer away from the Cummins um, just because of the 68 bad reputation. You know, I know it's been years and years and years and rightfully so because they were terrible, but you know, 
they were also kind of made terrible by the aftermarket. The aftermarket had a huge hand in making the 68s, you know, not a great transmission. But today, where we're at, you know, even trucks that are heavily modified, I mean, if they're, as long as you're, I mean, for real, like, like not above 700 horsepower, you know, they, they, they can be really reliable and run good. But I mean, if you've got a truck that's, you're pushing up there, you know, above that 700 horsepower, or you just want to like really beat up on it, you know, nobody's 68. It's, it's not the transmission for you. Will it hold, you know, eight, 900 horsepower, sometimes a thousand? Oh yeah, we built a ton of them that would, but it's, I mean, it's all, you're asking it, you're asking it to do something that it shouldn't be doing, you know, and that dude's going to stab, you know, it's just, it's a little <laughs> much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the clarity that I think this conversation provided because there's a lot of people out there that they, they, what well, I found people buy those Ram trucks for the engine. That's why they buy it. Cause they want the six, seven Cummins. Yeah. And I think, I think it's always kind of been like that. Like you had to make a sacrifice to get the 48 RE, but that technology and the upgrades were a lot simpler and they were all kind of figured out <clears throat> mostly well, by that time. That gets back to our synchronous, right? Yeah. I mean, that was the glory of it. It didn't really need a computer, you know, yeah. slap a 48, take a 68 and just slap a 48 in it. I mean, it kind of got the reliability portion, but you lost everything else. Well, yeah, yeah, you did. And then I, I think of the enthusiast side a bit and, you know, you have a truck makes good power, it, you know, it's, it's nice. You get kind of bored with it. And, you know, I remember once, you know, I was into, I want the power, I want the big power number. And I think you said, Hey, go for a ride with me. And you had a six, seven stock exhaust, everything was stock on it, but you had compounds. And he had these other things and we just went for a drive you know, somewhere around. And I'm like, this is night and day different from what I have because I never dynoed my truck at 10% throttle. I don't know how much power it's making 90 horsepower, 110, 100, 120, but that's how I would have to drive it because my usable power was so high up and was so, you couldn't really use it on the street versus driving this other truck with compounds. I'm like, there's more usable power, even, you know, at part throttle, it's more enjoyable to ride in or to drive, or I imagine to tow it's, it's a night and day difference. So I think being able to pair that with these upgrades, the case brace, the co-pilot, um, the cooler bypass, the pan, the valve body, if we want to, um, and then, you know, eventually a, a full transmission build, I go, okay, you know, six, 700 horse, that's, that, that's something you can daily drive. That's something you could tow with. That's something you can really enjoy your truck with. And now if there's solutions for it, great, because that wasn't always there. It was 48 swap it, 47 swap it, um, you know, forget towing a trailer, whatever it might be. And so it's nice to see how the market and you know, especially the aftermarket has changed with that. So I appreciate you chatting with me, educating me on the options that are out there and ways people can think about this if they have the truck or they're thinking about buying one. Um, the options that are there for them to be able to enjoy towing it, add a little bit more power, keep it reliable, and maybe not necessarily take to heart all those posts from 10 years ago, about 68 <laughs> or seven years ago. Yeah, or no, years no, I, ago. Think it, I think the industry deserves a, 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 like a solid, like a real reset on the 68 mm -hmm. reputation. It really does. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, diesels are, diesels today are awesome. I mean, I'm excited. I mean, dude, check this out. So I have a 22 TRX you know, that I've um, modified a little bit, you know, and it's so, so those out there that don't know what a TRX is, it's a, from the factory, it's a 600 horsepower, um, supercharged all wheel drive um, truck. 
So it's a 1500 Ram truck that has a, you know, supercharged uh, 6.2 liter in it. And they rip, it's a Hellcat, you know, and you can pretty easily turn them up, which I've done, you know, and, you know, they, I mean, at this altitude, you know, they're like short of 600 horsepower, we're at 5,000 feet, you know, you turn them up, you know, 18 pounds of boost, you kind of have an idea, like it went from eight pounds of boost to six or 16, 18 pounds of boost. And, you know, power goes, I mean, it's up there, 850 range, you know, um, good running truck. I drive my diesel truck every day and I, you know, one of my jobs that I've given myself is I drive around Denver and Fort Collins. I mean, I, I do all the deliveries and all the pickups, um, mainly because I, one, I like driving, I like seeing my vendors, but I also, um, you know, use my truck as an office and it's quiet and I can actually do my work in it. I mean, I could have been, I could have been doing this podcast in my truck. It's that quiet. And I choose to drive my diesel truck because it's fast. I mean, it has the torque, you know, and it's like, that is cool. And, and the reason I like that so much, because in the older days with open exhaust, you know, I had to be really careful rolling off a stop line, stop side. You had to kind of power brake a little bit because it doesn't have the torque. It doesn't zip up quickly and doesn't have the acceleration. So they were fun to drive when you're towing and that kind of thing, because they had power, but they weren't necessarily fun to drive as a daily driver because they were kind of slow to respond, you know, and they were smoky, you know, even stock. I mean, they were just smoky, especially at this altitude. And I hated that because I would smoke people out. And it was just like, I mean, not smoke them out, but there's a little bit of smoke. And I was just, I tried to be courteous. Right. And today's trucks, you know, they zip up quickly, you know, they make a ton of torque and they're clean and they're quiet and they just go. I mean, it gets the job done. And literally I was laughing the other day when, when uh, I think Devin asked, he's like, dude, are you ever going to drive your TRX? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Um, but I really like driving my diesel. You know, he's like, <laughs> oh, that's cool. But, and, I, and, I, and I realized that I actually said that out loud, that I had made a conscious decision, a choice to drive my diesel every single day when I literally have a $100,000 TRX there that is just incredible to drive. And I choose my diesel truck over it. So that goes to show you something that goes to talk about where the technology has gone and it's just getting better and better, you know? So, I mean, the diesel industry is cool. It is, it is, it's amazing. It's really funny. You mentioned that because my brother had bought a TRX earlier this year and I didn't know it, but he said, Hey, can you, you know, give me a ride down to the dealership in Colorado Springs? I said, sure. So we go down there, he gets this TRX and I rode with him in it and you're right. It responds quick. It's fast. It gets up and goes, he had it a month. And then he traded it for a 3,500, 6.7 Cummins dually because uh -huh. of the capability, because of the stuff. He's like, I just can't do it. I can't even tow a trailer. You yeah. know, going from Denver up into the mountains, he's like, I, it's 6,000 pounds. I can't, <laughs> this isn't yeah. me. This doesn't yeah. fit my lifestyle. Yeah. So no, it's a hot rod truck. I mean, it's designed to be an off-road truck yeah. you know? and they're fun in the desert, you know, I mean, the, but, but it's <laughs> and not to mention the gas mileage. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> that thing gets like seven and a half miles per gallon the way I drive. <laughs> and my diesel, you know, generally gets like 15, 14, 15. Not that I yeah. really care about the fuel economy, but what I don't like is running out of fuel all the time. So yeah. I kind of do care about the fuel economy because I'm always having to stop and put fuel in it, you know? So <laughs> no, no diesel, man. Diesel is really amazing. I mean, and, the, and, and it's one of the, it's going to be one of the last standing, you know, when we're talking about internal combustion vehicles, you know, I mean, the EV, the electric stuff, you know, certainly has a place. I mean, I'm a full support of it. Not for, not for light duty trucks, 
you know, I mean, I think we'll see it in, in the heavier duty, you know, this sector as far as like transport type stuff before we see it in the light duty. Um, but, you know, the light duty diesel, you know, there is no replacement and the efficiency is getting so good, you know, with the diesel, with the, um, with the light duty diesel stuff that it's like, it's getting really good, man. I mean, it's like, it's really getting good. So I think, you know, today's day and age, I mean, not even talking about all the vehicles that are on the road, all these things that we could upgrade. I mean, the, one of the most exciting things to me is all this new technology we're coming out now for the older diesels. You know, I mean, I'm concentrating on all of them, like the 7.3 even. You know, 7.3 is going to get these upgrades to 5.9s in a huge way. You know, all these vehicles are, be are beginning to start, you know, benefiting from these newer technologies. I mean, like the T87 upgrade for the GM trucks. You know, that's been epic. I mean, we finally got that out and, and people are loving it. I mean, it's been such a savior and and people not only love it because they actually can buy a TCM to make their truck work again. You know, all these Duramaxes are parked, but they actually are loving it because they work so well because there's in there's all these upgrades that we've added, you know, newer TCM, the Allison shifts smoother. It's picking up gas miles. It holds more power. You know, this is all of the brand new technology that we're allowing you know, into these old trucks that were integrated, you know, and it's, and it's just, it's exciting. I mean, it's cool. I mean, these old trucks run really, really well with new technology. Well, I definitely look forward to covering that with you, chatting with you more as these things roll out. And I appreciate your time today chatting with me about 68s and educating, you know, an old time enthusiast like myself on some new things that are <laughs> out there and, and ways these can hold. So I appreciate your time today, Clint. Anytime. Thanks. I appreciate it. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. Great way to save some money, get some really cool gear for hunting, fishing, EDC, something around the job site, around the house. They've got a bunch of new models for 2023, with one of the latest being the Duralock models, which the blade's made out of D2 steel. Um, the way that the blade opens and closes keeps your fingers out of the way. And they've got a bunch of different choices for blade shape and also handle shape as well and a bunch of other knives. So if you're in the market for a good quality EDC knife or something to work really hard, definitely make sure to head on over to their website, check them out, use that code for 20% off site-wide. I also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, um, J. Cole, John, all of our other Patreon supporters. All of you who, who subscribe on YouTube, podcast apps, follow us on social media. We appreciate your support here in Year 7 of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the content that you want to hear in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.